Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, the podcast. My name is Amy Clark. I am the senior editor at Adore Beauty and today I am bringing you a bonus episode. My guest today, she's kind of a big deal. She was recently crowned Miss Universe Australia and her name is Maria Thetil. Now, if you have any, you know, preconceived notions or thoughts about who Miss Universe Australia is and what, you know, this Miss Universe pageant is all about, I'd love you to grab them and chuck them out the window because Maria is not your average beauty queen. She is an inclusion activist. She's a creator and speaker. She's also a makeup artist. She's worked as a makeup artist and specializes for makeup for people of color. And she also works in HR. So she does a bit of everything. And for anyone who doesn't follow Maria on Instagram, which you absolutely should, we kicked off this interview with a bit of a discussion about what her last week has been like because she did find herself in a bit of a media storm with the Daily Mail and I guess that was her first brush with what happens to successful women, which is that we get torn down when we, you know, are thriving and achieving. So we find out how she's been dealing with that as well. The other thing that I think is really special about this interview is that Maria just has such an eloquent way of communicating, you know, speaking her mind, communicating her beliefs and advocating for what she believes in. She also does this on Instagram with her Mind With Me series where she speaks to a diverse group of people about, you know, issues that are facing us today. But considering that she is Miss Universe Australia and a makeup artist, I picked her brain for all her hair, makeup, skin tips, um, with a few pearls of wisdom in between. So I hope you enjoy. Maria, welcome to Beauty IQ Uncensored. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I am, yeah, super stoked to be talking to you today. And I want to start by asking how you're going because aside from, you know, becoming Miss Universe Australia, which is, you know, the highest of highs, you've then also recently experienced what happens to women when they have success, which is then they get torn down, (laughs) Um, you know, with um, a bit of kind of a media storm around you the last week. So how are you doing? Honestly, I'm really, really good. I mean, it was initially quite comical, to be honest, because the story is such a stretch from the truth. But it was quite ironic because that whole situation just served as a case study for what I talk about, you know. So it's to be expected. And I think, you know, when you see women who are outspoken and they talk about things that are uncomfortable, it's a story, right? And, you know, it's to be expected, but I'm all good because in essence, it just grew my platform and like I knew this was to be expected. So I'm okay. Thank you. I think too, like just on the same topic, something that I guess is quite relevant for you being Miss Universe Australia, which, you know, is a a role that encompasses so many different aspects, but one traditional aspect of it is the idea of it being a beauty pageant. And I think that it proves the point that people think that if you care about beauty, if you care about makeup, hair, if you look after your skin, if you care about, you know, beauty, that you also can't be intelligent and you can't, you know, also care about intelligent 
topical issues at the same time? Is that something that you feel that you kind of come up against a fair bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what happened last week is just an example of that. It's, you know, we seek to categorize people, we seek to box them in based on stereotypes. And we think, well, you know, look at this person, they they care about how they present and how they're showing up. And, you know, somehow society has turned that into something that we need to denigrate. And we need to look at that and think, well, if you care about this, you can't possibly care about anything, you know, that's subjectively deemed as being of substance. So it's funny, I had a meeting with an organization that I might be working with. And when they were speaking to me, I was telling them a little bit about myself and why I entered Miss Universe. And it completely challenged any ideas they had about why someone would do something like this. And they said to me, and they're a little bit older, they said to me, well, I, you know, when we were watching it, it was just about people who wanted to model. And first of all, wanting to model that, that being spoken about, like it's a, you know, a less worthy career, career choice or anything like that. It's so, what's the word? It's just a little bit condescending, right? And I think we need to stop thinking that we have a say in validating other people's career choices and what they do. And for me, people are confused by participation in Miss Universe because I don't subscribe to just one idea. It's not just modeling. It's not just the advocacy. It's not just for the education piece and and speaking up. It's everything. And I think that's why, you know, you ruffle a few feathers because you don't choose. You don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to choose. Totally. And it's, uh, you know, with beauty in particular, obviously this is a beauty podcast and it's something we get all the time is you can love lipstick. You can love talking about makeup with your girlfriends or you can, you know, love talking about skincare. You can love all that. And then you can also be a a doctor. You can be, you know, you can be a research expert. You can be, you know, in HR like you are. You can do all these things. You can care about the environment. You can care about politics. And I think that's what's so amazing about you because you're kind of living proof of that in real time, which is amazing. Thank you. And you know what? I don't know if you remember, but there was this campaign on social media where there were doctors who were being shamed for having photos being on the beach, you know, on their personal accounts. And it's the same thing where, ironically, the the thing that went, you know, that was mis- quoted in media last week was me talking about when I first started my career and I used to, you know, I cared about makeup and I cared about fashion. I remember it was a male senior who would, who would comment on that. And for me, it was, I need you to see my professional value and my worth and my makeup and the way I dress has nothing to do with it. So that's the point we need to look beyond. So I couldn't agree more. I want to go a bit further back to young Maria and I want to know because like I was saying, I guess outwardly when people look at Miss Universe, Miss Universe Australia or any kind of, um, you know, competition or pageant as such, the idea is that it is a beauty pageant or it used to be. So I would love to know if, you know, young Maria, did you feel beautiful? You know, did you, mm. did you, how did you feel about yourself growing up and then was there a time that you were able to say, I feel beautiful in myself. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice to look back on it. And I think I've spoken about this so often, you know, not seeing adequate representation of people of colour and beauty, especially those of South Asian heritage in, you know, the mainstream beauty landscape here and quite like 
quite a few like public landscapes but you know when people hear this I, I don't want to just say the same thing without breaking it down I need people to understand that it really does impact the way children see themselves because you know I've got really early memories of feeling you know othered as young as six or seven and I remember wanting to fit in with my peers because you know I had these ideas about dark skin being less than you know I remember it was one particular memory it was a little boy who had said to my cousins and I because we stuck to together in school, he had said that, you know, our skin was dirt colored and been called a, you know, a monster by a little boy I had a crush on. And like, these are the things that when you're a little girl, that it leaves a bit of an imprint. So that kind of fed into my teens and my early twenties, where I just denounced anything that connected me to my culture that made me feel like, you know, I didn't belong or fit in with Western norms and ideas of beauty. So, you know, when I look back on my photos at 18, 19, 20, the I have white foundation, like, you know, I'm a brown woman, but I was wearing white foundation. I had green eye contacts every single time I would leave the house would color my hair blonde. And when you look back, it's so sad to see that, you know, you were just trying to shed every bit of yourself to feel beautiful. So I didn't, but you know, into my twenties, I started to unlearn a lot of that conditioning. So, you know, that confidence came back and it, it was like, oh my gosh, like all this time, I've thought that to be beautiful, I need to be everything other than what I am. And then the minute the penny drops, it's just, it's liberating. It's really liberating. And don't get me wrong, you know, everyone still has insecurities and things like that, but I'm, I'm much more kind and loving to myself about it. Even things like, okay, dark under eye circles. Grew up thinking that was so abnormal because it's more common, you know, hyperpigmentation and things like that and colored skin. But now it's like, I have, you know, I have a responsibility. If I've got a platform where other girls are looking to me or other boys, I need to show them this is me just showing up in that skin. And when you see it and you normalize it, you stop feeling like you're not beautiful because you look different. So I think, you know, I've outgrown those self-rejecting ideas and it's now a mission to help other people to do the same. And um, before you, you know, entered Miss Universe, I know that you worked as a makeup artist. Yeah. <laughs> I love how this kind of feeds into what you're saying is that it's it's all about just enhancing what we've got and, you know, making the most of our own beauty and bringing that forward. And I know that you specialized a lot of the time in makeup and beauty for people of color, because that's something that was severely and still is in a lot of cases undercated for. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know, and I would love to share with our listeners, some of your best tips for, you know, with makeup for people of color, whether that be, you know, how to match your foundation correctly, or, you know, how to enhance your features, or, you know, what's I know there's things like bronzer and blush for people of color is you know not what we see in traditional beauty what are your mm -hmm. best tips I think you know you're so right we are seeing a shift especially this year you know an emphasis on sharing and amplifying the voices and content of you know black indigenous or colored creators and educators and I think my tip for anyone First of all, if you're starting at point blank, definitely, definitely research and Google because now there have been deliberate and intentional efforts to highlight these educators, brands, artists, and social personalities that can actually speak to colored people. And I think following platforms that serve to uplift them, like Live Tinted, you know, it's a community for people of color by people of color. That will be your, your best starting point for finding people who can talk to you. But I think 
as someone, okay, number one tip, I think as a, as a brown girl anyway, I'll say this, the things that we used to think we had to hide and conceal, for example, even dark circles, you know, work with these unique things about yourself um, in a way that enhances your natural beauty. So for me, I've got dark rings around my eyes, but what I'll do is I might put a little bit of concealer just on the bottom and then I leverage the darkness on the top lid and it looks like a nice, you know, chocolate like eyeshadow. And I think, you know, what you said about colored people not using blush, you absolutely can if you've got, you know, just match it to your undertone. It's things like that. And I think the best place to start, like I said, is following people that, you know, can teach you and speak to you specifically, but it doesn't hurt to actually get like a one-on-one class with somebody who can actually tell you about your face in particular, because so often people think they need to either do a full-on course or They need to just watch generic content, but you could do a one-on-one and learn what works for you. And I would love to know, again, part of Miss Universe, still on the topic of makeup. When you're doing these things, I imagine you need your hair and makeup to last for a long time. (laughs) Um, You know, you need it to stay up all day, stay on. And I would would love to know if you picked up any good tips for long-wearing makeup and hair for those of us who won't, who, you know, on our day-to-day basis won't have someone there to be able to just touch us up quickly or, you know, chuck in a bit more hairspray. Of course. And do you know what? It has been so crazy. Like I thought I was busy in my life before, but (laughs) it's like it's gotten crazy now. And the thing is I'm used to a very on-the-go lifestyle. So for anyone who doesn't know me before this, like I was working as a social media content creator and just in HR. So I did need my hair and makeup to last from, you know, 7am when I got into the office to then going to an event afterward. But now it's just like, taken it to the next level. So I've started working with Katarina Debye. She's from Heading Out Hair Beauty. And she gave me this great tip to create like a little mini hair kit. So in it, I've got dry shampoo, hair clips, hair ties, a mini hairspray, a wide tooth comb. And she told me to just keep it in my bag for days where I might find myself running from meeting to meeting or in between events. So for anyone who's on the go, just keeping something with small little bits and bobs that if you're literally in the car going from work to a dinner, you can just do something, you know, in your rear view mirror quickly before you step out. And I'm just going to say I am team dry shampoo all (laughs) the way. Like one thing that I do, I'm really, really proud of this, is my ability to make really oily, perhaps not the cleanest hair, look like an editorial bun, dry shampoo, pull it up into a top knot and then boom, you're good to go. And then makeup wise, I think it's all about the prep. Like a lot of people ask, what setting spray do you use? What setting powder? But you need to be prepping your skin adequately first. And you guys at Adore Beauty, you cater to this so, so well. But for me, I've got combination skin. So I know if I've got a long day, if I don't hydrate or prep my skin, my makeup gets greasy in the T-zone, flaky on the forehead. So I'll start a long day with a sheet mask, under eye gels, and then I'll go on with a primer and serum. And you obviously then you've got your setting powder and maybe uh, a bit of a mist, but you've got to prep your skin first to prepare for a long day. And I love that. You know, I hate the word self-care because it kind of can feel a bit wankery, but yeah. <laughs> I, it's like we're not all too busy to not give back to ourselves, you know, and yeah, and yeah. even if it's five minutes chucking on a sheet mask while you also stuff a piece of toast in your mouth, like that, you know, doing that for yourself 
helps to set you up for a day where you feel good about yourself and then you can go and get done and do great things. I have to say like even, you know, two minutes, I think the Foreo devices that I've got, there's the little, there's the one that you can do is it's the LED um, sheet mask. I cannot remember which device it is, but yeah, the UFO, the UFO, that's it. It's my favorite and it's 90 seconds. And I just think if you can't find 90 seconds in your day for yourself, you know, really reevaluate where you're prioritizing yourself because you deserve better. You deserve at least a minute and a half of your own time because in life, you're going to find that people are pulling you here, there, you've got to do this, kids, family, you know, who's the most important and you know what? Not going to say self-care because I agree with you. I'm going to say you are the most important. And if you don't take care of yourself, it's a bit hard to show up for the other people you care for. So if not for yourself, do it so you can be your best you for others. And I think when you start your day with something like a two minute sheet mask, it's just a nice way of priming yourself for the day and not feeling like you're giving to everyone before you give to yourself. Yeah, I love that. You put that much more eloquently than I did, (laughs) which is just to say that I feel like a wanker when I talk about self-care. You know, another part, I guess, of this is that, you know, in your line of work, whether people are, say, an office worker and they, you know, lots of professions you feel like you need to have a face on. That's a whole separate issue for another day about, you know. That'll be the next podcast. Amy, I think this is too much, too much. (laughs) But part of that is then when we take our makeup off at the end of the day and in your, especially now that doing events and shoots and things like that, there's a lot of hair and makeup involved. Like what kind of products or how do you, you know, take care of your skin and your hair at the end of the day when it comes to, you know, washing all that off? Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to say one thing to the previous point. I am such a minimalist. So when I was just working in the office, I wouldn't wear any base makeup. Like I might wear a bit of under eye concealer and mascara, but you know, I don't like to wear a lot of my skin. So this has been a really big change. So getting home, taking off your makeup, it's like the last threshold that I need to cross for me to get into bed and then mentally switch off. Like I look forward to it so, so much. It's like unhooking your bra. Yes. So you've probably then had to maybe add in some other skincare steps or change up your hair routine a little bit to kind of adapt to the amount of makeup and hair product that you'd be using now. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of cleansing now, whenever I wear a full face of makeup and you know what, even when I don't, it's just to make sure I'm actually taking care of my skin. I use my Luna Mini 3. It is my best friend morning and night. So the Ferrea devices are amazing. And I saw a video once of someone trying to wash a strawberry covered in makeup with their fingers and cleanser. And the point is saying that your hands, they don't get that deep clean. And that's the difference with the Ferrea devices. They penetrate like so much deeper. They exfoliate. And I like that they're hypoallergenic as well. So I don't get irritated. But I've also recently become a huge fan of Grown Alchemist. So I visited their retail lab in Melbourne and I learned about, you know, plant-based skincare. It heals your skin on a cellular level. And I'm just going to say this past few weeks have been manic. I know I haven't been drinking enough water or sleeping. I'm telling on myself, but this has been hydrating my skin that I've been using it for a week and it still looks bright and soft. So I'm very surprised by that. And I've got their under eye cream as well. And then for hair care tips, If I'm styling it myself, I always, and this is non-negotiable, always use the Dyson Air app because it doesn't actually use extreme heat. So I still get like a salon blowout, but I'm not damaging my hair. Um, And that's more than I can say for when I have to go into the actual salon, which is often. So that helps. 
As well as, I guess, what you were saying about cleansing, which is I'm all for, you know, a double cleanse or a deep cleanse. Part of that, even if you're not wearing makeup, is because we need to remove our sunscreen. And so I would love to get your sunscreen recommendations because I always think, you know, any airtime for sunscreen for people of colour is super important. So do you have, have you found some sunscreens or a, a sunscreen that works for you? Yeah, there are two that I really, really rate and love. So there's one that is it's a smaller brand but I like it because it doesn't leave a purpley cast on your skin and it's not super thick either Uh, it's simple as that sunscreen I use the SPF 25 but also ultraviolet and they've got so many different textures as well so if you want something that's creamy or a liquid it's just it because with sunscreen it's not just a once over that you use on your face and your body different textures work for different parts of your bodies and I love that they cater to that because no one wants to put on a sunscreen that's thick cluggy and looks ashy on their skin so no. in 2020 with the you know formulations no. with all <laughs> yeah. the stuff that we've got going on no one has time and there's no excuse now for terrible sunscreens in in yep. my opinion our head of campaign and strategy Shanti posted the other day on our Instagram about how ultraviolet lean screen and she actually showed it so she's a woman of color for anyone um, who doesn't hasn't seen her on our Instagram and she showed how it does rub in it doesn't leave a white cast and I think yeah ultraviolet I mean we're all obsessed with ultraviolet they're doing such incredible things I one other thing I wanted to ask you about is your skincare because and something that I've um, seen you speak about on Instagram before is how your experience of you know after having relatively clear skin or you know normal skin um, in terms of skin type as a child and teen then you had this fun thing happen where you start getting acne as an adult and so I'd love you to talk through your current routine and kind of what you kind of mean when you say that it's your routine is also a conscious acceptance of your skin. When I speak about conscious acceptance of my skin it's important to me because I think language is really powerful and one thing that I'm always talking about is being super mindful and thinking and speaking in a way that's empowering right and one of the things I used to say was oh my skin journey my skin journey like once I started getting comedogenic acne and I said that meaning I'm on a journey to completely getting rid of this acne. But then as I got into my 20s and I learned more about it, I started working with a skin therapist. I realized that my skin is just going to fluctuate and change with hormones, with age, with seasons, lifestyle, diet. And the point is, I know that it's going to happen. I know it's going to be, you know, sometimes it'll break out, sometimes it won't. And conscious acceptance means I'm going to love myself and my skin no matter what period it's in. And it's okay. And I just know that there are things I need to do to maybe keep it as healthy as possible. For example, yeah, around my period, I get breakouts on my chin and that's just going to happen. But if I'm having inflammation of the skin because I've been eating McDonald's every day last week or like using comedogenic products, well, that's where, okay, I need to work to keep it healthy, but it's not about you know, I, I can't stand myself with the skin and I need to be on this destination to fix it. I think, yeah, you're right. The word journey kind of symbolizes that there's an end point and that there's like this ideal end goal. Yeah, we've been told that, and I say this all the time, but our worth, our beauty, our success, it's rooted in looking a certain way, being a certain way. And it's actually realizing, you know what, no matter how I look or what way my skin none of it actually inherently changes who I am. And you see this with people who attain certain levels of success. People think, if I'm richer, I'll be happier. If I, you know, 
get this dream job, then I'll be happy. And then they get there and they realize, oh my God, I'm not happy. And it's like, well, being happy and comfortable, it actually doesn't come from what you have or how you look. It's an internal thing. And that takes a lot of work. So I think it's so great that you, even in your job where, you know, you've been working in this industry, it's, oh, I've actually got to be conscious of my language because what messages am I continuing to perpetuate? So I think that's really great. Yeah. And I well, let's get on to what products you love because oh, yeah, I feel yeah. like we could just <laughs> we could just talk forever and our podcast editor is probably like, come on ladies, like come get on to ladies, the stuff. give me the juicy stuff. Yeah. All right. Current routine, cleansing morning and night. And these are the things that I apply morning and night. So it's that Grown Alchemist Serum, the Age Repair Eye Cream. And I always use my Ferreira device to cleanse. So in terms of cleansers, I've been using a special one that my skin therapist recommended. It's a brand called Rococo Botanicals and they're acne safe. And then it's always moisturizer and an SPF every single day, especially winter, contrary to what you're told. It's amazing. And then what about nighttime? What kind of things are you using at night for your skin? So still using my serum, age repair eye cream, but sometimes I like to use like lip sleeping masks. I've just tried one by Laneige, which is really beautiful. That one. The vanilla, the vanilla. um, Oh, it's amazing. I just tried it the other day. First of all, the tiniest bit feels like a really creamy lip gloss, but it's so hydrating and it exfoliates your skin. So the Laneige lip sleeping mask. And then I've just got the, the face, the Psyca, I think it's a Psyca water mask. Yes. Amazing. Another good one. So anything to really just lock in moisture and hydration while you're sleeping, because that's when all your cells are doing their repairing and things like that. So it's like, pack it on. Yeah, Help it out. that's it. <laughs> yeah. What's your beauty like carry on stash? What kind of things are your non-negotiables to take with you on a plane? Non-negotiables. L'Oreal Revitalift sheet masks. They are so hydrating. So you best believe I'll be watching Netflix. <laughs> Probably binging New Girl with a sheet mask looking like a serial killer, but that's okay. Um, under eye masks because I just get thin skin and I'm very, very conscious about not letting fine lines, you know, I don't want to look tired when I go there. So Aceology, amazing. I'm going to take a sh- the silk eye masks. I've got one by, I think it's a shh. Oh, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, shh. Yeah. Silk. <laughs> the shh silk. And then I'm still going to take that smoothing serum, the age repair eye cream and a good lip balm. So like the Laneige mask or like a La Roche lip balm. So for me on the plane, it's not makeup. It's everything I can to keep my skin hydrated and not get dried out because I want to show up to Miss Universe feeling my best. I think that's a really nice way to end this interview. And I kind of just want to jump back into bed and with my silk mask. Yes. Um, but Maria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just keeping it real and all the best for, you know, the success that's going to come in the next year. We're so excited for you. Thank you so much, Amy. Honestly, thank you for the laugh, um, the great chat. And, you know, I'm really excited about it and I'm so thrilled to be here. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored. If you love the show, if you love us, please do go into your wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Tell all your friends and otherwise I will speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.